Welcome to the CGB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, the big man panel assembles to break down an amazing Game 5. Maybe not so amazing if you're a Raptors fan, but nonetheless, Ty Jordan, Kyle Milray, we're all tall people. Also, a deep dive into the International Swimming League. What is it? Who will be competing? How does it work? And why Kelsey Wog, local standout, is joining the league. She and the general manager of her team, Jason Lezak, talk to Kelly Moore. You'll hear those conversations on the podcast. (laughs) The NBA is full of drama. It's full of what-ifs. And I can't help but think that last night in Game 5, we got what could be one of the great turning point games for a variety of reasons that we've ever seen. The Raptors one point away from winning the title. Kevin Durant pops his Achilles after playing really well for about a quarter. There are just so many different things to talk about from this game, but we'll start with this tie. Do the Raptors still have the upper hand in this series? No. Uh-oh. I no. have their odds to win on Thursday in my head. Like I, I'm, a, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. We'll see about that. And their odds to win in my head on Thursday, 12%. Oh, boy. 12%. Wow. I vehemently disagree, Kyle. I mean, I want to stay optimistic. The road team has won four straight games in this series, which is really weird. They have The Raptors are 2-0 uh, and o in Oracle in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I want to. I don't want a game seven. I want the Raptors to just win an Oracle. And hey, you know my game ending. seven percentage is for the Raptors. If it gets there, <laughs> realistic, half fifty-seven percent. Oh, okay. All well, right. I look at it like this: the Golden State Warriors are not going to hit half their threes again. Demarcus Cousins, while he was almost the single-handedly reason why Toronto could have won the game in the end. He was pretty good for them for a lot of that game. But you, this is the same Warriors team that in game four couldn't do anything, right? right? On their home court. On their home court. Because Durant is gone. Looney now is gone. Livingston isn't helping. Iguodala's injured, right? It's just Stephen Clay. That's it. If they get 70 points, you can still win the game. Well, exactly. And as much as it's like, oh, that sucked. The Raptors team was so close. The fact that they called a moving screen on Boogie with like 30 seconds left, that never happens in this situation. That should not, the Raptors should not have been in position to necessarily win and they ended up losing, but it was just a weird game. And yeah, the the Warriors won the three point battle by 12 shots. They had 12 more three pointers than the Raptors. That's a 36 point margin. And they they won by one. That is not a sustainable, it's not, it's it's not a sustainable percentage for the Warriors. It's not a sustainable gap. Of production for the two teams, the it's Raptors not possible. did not play an awesome game. No, and they lost by one. They missed so many shots. Uh, they missed a lot of open looks. Uh, Siakam took a bunch and wasn't hitting them. Uh, Van, Vliet, Van, Vliet, Van Vliet eventually hit some, but yeah. And Leonard wasn't awesome until the fourth, when he almost had one of the legendary stretches. So they go up one hundred three ninety seven. They have the ball with three hundred five to go, and Kyle Lowry stops, looks at the ref, calls timeout, completely. Ruins the Raptors' momentum. I think, as much as that's like, oh, that's crummy thing to happen. There are usually timeouts on the floor around that time, around three minutes left. I think the Warriors would have come back anyway. Was yeah, going the, the other way. I know. I and, and the, fact that. That the, the fact Warriors that the Raptors had one timeout left, and the fact that the Raptors fans had kind of waited the whole game to get that hype about something, and then for it to be stopped a little bit. I still think it being the Warriors, 
they weren't dead. No, of there's still not. three minutes left. It's still not. the Warriors. I mean, yeah, in hindsight, he goes, well, you should have maybe kept going, but there's so many swings in that game. Yeah. I mean, it was easily. I mean, it's a very low bar to clear. It was easily the best finals game since Game Seven of 2016. Not that there's a lot of great right. games to follow that, but it's still it was a, it was a wild, just an game. amazing. Like and I, you guys are both big Raptors fans. I'm kind of more of an objective viewer. I I want to see them win. Yeah, but just from an objective point of view, that was an amazing dramatic game and you know you get Kyle out you have the ball with a shot to win the championship oh yeah that's gonna haunt that man for the rest of his life well I think Draymond got a piece of it but the reality is the defense of Golden State on that play won them that game Mm -hmm. I mean yeah and the fact that's um yeah that's what they wanted you just like they had to go okay don't get Kawhi to have the ball get the ball out of his hands and it worked and it worked and uh, Kyle Lowry stared at the ceiling all night. And if they don't win this series, he's going to stare at the ceiling probably for the rest of his life. I was thinking when it happened, maybe you didn't need to go for a three in that situation. No. But that's what was given. The area was given. They weren't. Yeah, cons- but too often in last possessions, people settle for long shots. Instead of, they didn't even try to, you Should know, Kawhi, Kawhi t- to took Marcus a step Saul. and was double teamed. Yeah, well, he could have rolled, but, we, well, but there's a lot of what it could have should have exactly. been here. There's lots. We got to give some ups what, to Clay, what, Clay and Steph for hitting the big threes. There was 103.97, three threes in a row. Well, they made 23s. Like, it was <laughs> They're not good. surprising. They're really good. And this what, is a team that is one of the best teams we've ever seen. The I dynasty just, they've had. I don't think that they're going to win a third game in a row at Oracle. I don't think it's going to happen. Twelve percent. What's your percentage for the Raptors to win? Forty-eight. Yeah, around that. It's it's basically a coin flip. If they can just play, like they still held the Warriors to under one hundred ten points, which is they've been doing all series. They the Warriors were just making more shots than they normally would make in that situation, and that's what you kind of gun for, and it just didn't work. And the Raptors missed so many more shots than they are used to missing. So game seven, Kyle. Here's what's going to happen. All right. Game six, we're probably going to lose by a big margin. Is I my don't guess. think so. I think so. No. I don't think it's going to be close in game six. No. And then game seven, it's going to be close. And then it's a coin flip. That's what my guess is. That's my prediction. As much as I love watching basketball and want more basketball, it also it sucks in a way because I like the Golden State Warriors apart from this series. I like watching them play basketball. Yeah. And it sucks to kind of have to take myself out of that a little bit. Not intentionally, but I just go, like you want your team that you've been rooting for for 25 years to win, but it's like, man, Golden State play is amazing when they just, you can't, you have to kill them. You have to chop the head off the, the king. Well, they you have did. to just they have stomp them out and they three guys injured on that team. And now. That, well, that's the thing. That's what it's going to look forward to game six and seven is just the amount of people playing that's for not Golden even, State. If like, that's a three headed dragon, they've cut off one head. Like even though Curry, two other big, ones. even though Curry didn't make a big shot at the end, he looked gas in a couple of those. He was, yeah. he was leaving a bunch short. Even clay missed a couple short. Like they're just, they're playing hard. All right. So we haven't gotten to this yet. Kevin Durant, we have to talk about this. He comes back for 10 minutes and then his Achilles goes, nope, I'm done here. Yeah, the yeah. guy wasn't rehabbed enough. I don't know why he did that. But the, uh, it's, it, there's so NBA much we finals, don't know. That's why. There's, yeah, there's so, so much, much we we'll never know. know. And by the way, amazing camera work by them just like to literally, I think, see his Achilles roll up, which is not a fun sight to see. No, but, but so people, there was so much speculation of should he have played? Why did he play? He gave so much heart, all this and that. The reality is the doctors cleared him to play. Yeah. He wanted to play. And he wasn't 100%. So what happens? Bad luck, but also a compromised part of your body. This is what happens. 
you could get more hurt. There's a similar thing to that happened earlier in the year with uh, Zion Williamson when he was hurt and people were saying, oh, just sit out. Don't come back. Don't worry about it. There's no reason to come back. You get to a position like Kevin Durant, like a Zion Williamson, by being competitive, by not thinking about things like that. You don't think, oh, you know, I'll, I might, this might hurt my future. You're just like, I'm available to play. That means I will play basketball, regardless of what might happen to me in the future. Well, because he's a free agent this summer and looking at a ton of money. I think he's still going to get a ton of money from someone. I think it sucks that he he has this cloud over him now if he needs to sign somewhere. I think someone will still sign him. It does make free agency a lot more interesting just with this weird, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to sign someone to not play the first season you sign him, basically, at this point. So, Ty, did you cheer when Kevin Durant got hurt? I was just like, oh, that's that's favorable for the Raptors. I don't know. I was so zoned into the game that I didn't really go like, woo, you know? Like the people in... Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, that was weird, but I get why they did it. They're fired up and juiced up on alcohol. Like, of course <laughs> they are. I don't know why, uh, like, man, Boston Bruins fans fought each other in the stands one game. That. Like, come on, people are going to do Most weird games. things. I, you know, I think people were fired up because they thought that, oh, this means he's not going to be in the game, but then kind of go, oh, wait. And, like, he's, they were they were cheering when he was limping around, which is not a good look, obviously. Uh, the Raptors did a great thing, some of the players, and being like, hey, Knock it off. Knock it off, people. He's actually that? hurt. Like no one wants someone to no one nobody wants people to be injured. They like someone to not play that particular game that they're playing in anymore. But nobody wants any long term effects from this to go forward. And then they were right, they cheered him off. It's obviously they felt bad. I'm sure some people didn't feel bad and just kept on waving. being happy and waving. That was not a good look either. Um, but in the moment you're just kind of like and especially because a lot of people just thought it was a calf thing. He's like, oh, maybe he's just like you know, maybe he's a bit uh, tired and just needs a bit of a break. The Raptors, a lot of the Raptors fans have seen Vince Carter. They know what a calf injury looks like. Yeah. So, All right, uh, so before we go, Ty, it sounds like you think the Raptors are going to lose this series. Uh, no. I'm Raptors in seven. I'm giving them a 57% chance to win in game seven. Okay. 12% on Thursday. But you know what? I'll take 12% to win the NBA Finals over not having a percentage. I think the Raptors win it Thursday. I think it'd be the coolest thing ever to be like just... Oh, last game in Oracle? You're going to lose the title in Oracle. In the like, That's the end of the dynasty is losing the last thing in there. On the other hand, um, what's the one last sort of kick in the can that Raptors fans could get? It's losing a 3-1 series lead while eliminating the 3-1 series jokes for Golden State. Don't lose by a point. Yeah, that yeah. was haunting me all night, Kyle. Don't bring that Imagine up. Imagine the Raptors being the only 3-1 series joke team after this. Because the so, Warriors would have eliminated themselves oh from it. I, just It's haunting. I don't want to think about it. We have to wait so long for so, game six. I'm saying 12% yeah. for Thursday. Christian thinks they're going to do it. I do, too. I think they're going to do it. I think this is just... Right, we'll I don't reconvene think on Friday, then? Yes. Yeah, we All will right. reconvene on Friday. Kelsey, I guess the reason we want to talk to you is for something that is entirely different. And I don't know... Well, you, you, you're on the U of M Bison swim team, so you, you've, you've been on a team before, and certainly for Canada, but uh, in the professional ranks, the International Swimming League and the Cali Condors, you're now a member of that team, so I guess this has to be something new for you in your career. Yeah, for sure it's new, and um, it's really cool that it's the first year that this the International Swim League is happening, so it's kind of cool to be part of the first year it started. Yeah, I, I think whenever you're a pioneer, so to speak, there has to be something a little extra special attached to that. Yeah, it's definitely um, a, a bigger step up and a higher level meet, and it's cool because there's people from all across the world on the same team, so 
it should be a fun experience. Who, who are some of your teammates on the Condors? Have you had a chance to look over the roster yet? Um, so from Canada, uh, Kylie Moss, who is um, world champion in the 100-meter backstroke, she is also on the team. And there's also Lily King from the States, who is the Olympic champion in the 100 breaststroke. And there's a couple from Australia as well that I've seen. I don't imagine, though, that, well, I guess maybe when you've swam for Canada, there are people you've competed against in the pool, but uh, uh, it has to be kind of a unique situation when there are people you have competed against for medals who you are now going to try to combine your talents with to win prize money. Yeah, it's a it's a really neat idea, and I think it'll draw athletes closer together, I think. So are you going to get filthy rich uh, like a National Hockey League player uh, through this International Swim League? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't imagine you did it for the money. I guess that's the point I was trying to make. Yeah, no, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the experience and just for the love of the sport. For sure, yeah. So, Kelsey, how does the International Swim League season work and is it in lockstep with what your normal training would be anyway? Um, yeah, it's so essentially there's just a couple meets in North America and a couple in Europe and teams will like only four teams at a time will be competing against each other and you score points and then the top four teams, so two from North America, two from Europe, will have the chance to make the final which is in Las Vegas. So was there like a draft, or how did you wind up becoming a member of the Cali Condors? Um, I wound up becoming a member because um, the person that's running the team, Jason Lezak, he contacted my coach, and he asked if I'd like to join, and <laughs> I said yes. <laughs> so it was that easy. There was no... Uh... Uh, fly you down to Los Angeles and wine and dine you to to uh, get you to to join the team. It was just as easy as that. Yeah, it was just um, an email conversation. Um, I definitely had to think about it because next year is the Olympics, and I definitely want to make that a big priority to hopefully get on the team. So I had to think about it for a little bit, but it should be good. And and the worlds are coming up soon too, are they not? Yeah. So how will this uh, work with the Worlds? Uh, is it is the competition close to when, uh, and, and is it Tokyo that you're going to? I'm trying to remember uh, uh, from the Swim Canada press release uh, where the Worlds are this year. Yes, yeah, so Worlds are in Korea this summer, and they start July 21st. Right. And then the ISL, the International Swim League meets, they start in October, so it's not a conflict at all. Okay, yeah. So, but what what would that do with your U of M Bison schedule? Or are you already pretty much completed your university career? Um, so I'm still gonna I'm gonna finish my five years of eligibility for Bison's. Um, I think like I'll still be able to compete at U Sports, but I'm not exactly sure about Can West yet. Right, and and so mm-hmm. with the way that it's set up with a, a swim league team. Uh, Kelsey, uh, I mean, you know, you'd have defensemen and forwards and hockey, uh, you know, in baseball, you have position players and that sort of thing. So will you be a specific breaststroker on the Cali Condors or how will that work? 
so nobody's really assigned to an event. Um, well, I was asked to join for I am because I've got an Olympic champion breaststroker. <laughs> right. Um, but it's really whoever's on that day, they'll throw it into the races. So you must be pretty excited about this. Yeah, it's, it is pretty exciting. Uh, so now will you live down in California while you're swimming for the team? And you mentioned it's, it's three or four meets and you know, it starts in October. So I'm guessing when, when uh, is the final in Vegas? Is that sometime in December or? Yeah, it's beginning of December. Okay. So it's a pretty short season. We're talking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But no, I'm going to get to, I still get to live and train in Winnipeg and I just have to fly down there for the meets. So it'll be, I guess, hard to develop some team chemistry under those circumstances then. Yeah, I guess it might be challenging in that aspect, but um, everybody will have a couple of days before the meet to get to know each other, and I'm sure there'll be some sort of event to get to know everybody on the team. Right. Hey, well, listen, congratulations on this, Kelsey. It. uh, uh, it has to be tremendously exciting. I think, as you mentioned at the outset, to uh, have the opportunity to be part of something totally new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool, and I'm I'm really excited to see how it turns out. Yeah, well, and the, the nice thing about it too is, if this does take off, imagine what it will do for your sport, which you've already said you're doing this for the love of the sport, not to get rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully, it's able to build a bigger crowd and attention towards swimming and yeah, just make it a more publicly known sport. Jason Lezak is a name that some of you out there might remember swam the anchor leg of the U S four by 100 meter relay in Beijing in 2008, completing a huge comeback down the home stretch to snatch gold away from France. Lezak is closing a little bit on Bernard. Can the veteran chase him down and pull off a shocker here? Well, there's no doubt that he's tightening up. Bernard is losing to ground. Here comes Lezak. Unbelievable at the end. He's done it. The U.S. has done it. Dan Hicks just losing his mind on the call for NBC, one of the iconic moments. Now he's the general manager of the Cali Condors of the new International Swimming League. We now go back into the pool with CJW Sports Show swimming correspondent Kelly Moore. Jason, the reason we wanted to talk to you was because... Uh, of one of the names on your roster, uh, Winnipeg's very own Kelsey Wog. Uh, uh, I guess we'll start there. How did how did you wind up with Kelsey coming onto your team? So uh, actually, I would uh, talk to another Canadian first. I you know got um, Kylie Moss as one of my swimmers, and then talking a little bit with her coach, um, I needed to fill a spot, and uh, turned out that an eye armor and a breast choker was. Uh, was was available and there she was yeah i guess uh, you know it, it's not unlike other sports you have to fill certain positions even on a swimming team don't you yeah i mean this is a, a neat event and we have to put in two people to swim each event so we need people that are diverse that can swim a lot of events but we also need specialists as well so um it's uh been a lot of fun trying to put this team together it's the best work out and meet the needs and the demands of certain events but also perform well as so it's kind of trying to figure out, do you want people to swim three events or do you want them to be fresher and swim one or two events? 
but then you can only have a maximum amount of people as well. So try, trying to figure that out and work it out, it's been a lot of fun, and I think I put together something really good. So you wanted to be a general manager, did you? <laughs> well, it's not something I dreamed about as a kid. That was uh, swimming in the Olympics, so I checked that one off my list. And when this role came up, I thought it would be fun to do, and it's been more than fun. And I think it's uh, exciting, and it's going to be rewarding for the sport and take the sport to another level. And it makes me a little jealous of not swimming anymore because uh, I wish I was a part of something like this when I was still competing. Yeah, I was just thinking, where was this when Jason Lezak was uh, swimming competitively? So tell us a little bit about the International Swimming League. How many uh, different uh, clubs or teams are there? Uh, what kind of a schedule do you maintain? And uh, Because I think this is a fairly new venture, is it not? Yeah, so this is going to be the first year. And for the first year, we're going to have four European clubs and four American clubs and um, hopefully grow that in, in the future. And also being the Olympic year, it's um, going to be limited to three competitions plus a final, which will be half of the teams make the final this year. So, um, you know, a lot of the swimmers were a little skeptical about swimming too many races this year. So as, as it grows and in a non-Olympic year, we're hoping to more than double the size of the league as far as how many competitions add four more teams to it. So we're looking at something that's going to be happening, you know, every other weekend or something like that. So, you know, I think it's great. Um, this is a start and it can only get bigger and grow from here. Yeah, and because you're a former competitive swimmer, you would know how important it is to, to not for an athlete to not overextend themselves. They're, the training schedule is, is pretty important, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of times swimmers, you know, when they go compete, they look at it as they have to be at their highest level and do their best times, and they don't want to swim at an event where they're not going to be that fast. But um, if you compare this to other sports, I mean – Yes, you need to train. Yes, you need to work hard. But some of these other sports, you look at baseball or basketball. I mean, baseball plays almost every day. Basketball plays every other day. Football's once a week. So um, competing is important. And, and every game they play and every pitch they throw is not their best one. But they're putting in that effort and they're competing. And I think people love to see competition. So um, that's what this event is all about. And it's a team event, which is different than uh, anything um, that's ever been done before. So I, I think it's going to add a lot of excitement to our sport, maybe gain some new fans that were possibly Olympic fans that only watch swimming during the Olympics, and now all of a sudden they have that opportunity to watch it more often. What kind of salary or what, what kind of a, a payroll will you have, uh, uh, Jason? And I think this is really cool as well. I was on the website, and something I love is, is pay equity as far as the, uh, the male and the female swimmers are concerned. Yeah, that's true. So. Um, as far as this year goes, um, we none of us have a huge budget. Every team's in the same position. We have a $150,000 salary cap, which isn't a lot to give all these swimmers. So we're trying to divide that out. Everyone's got their own strategy on how to do that. But more than just the appearance fee money, it's prize money. So when these guys go to these meets and these women go to these meets, they earn prize money as well. And uh, even more than that, I told you it's a team event. So the teams will be rewarded as well for team bonus money, making it to the finals, winning the finals, et cetera. So, you know, um, I believe the goal in this is to get these guys paid what they deserve, but this is just the start. And uh, we're going to need to get a lot more sponsors and uh, in, in the future to be able to do that. And I really believe that's going to happen. What would a good crowd be, uh, you know, for this first season, Jason, uh, you know, in, in talking with your other general managers? Well, I think, like, are you talking about at the venues? Yeah. 
yeah, so I think they've strategically placed the venues at places where they do well in swimming events. Um, and at the regular season matches, I think most of the venues will hold between 1,500 to 2,000. And I really see these events selling out. I don't see any reason why we can't put that amount of people in. If you look at how many people we get at the Olympic trials or nationals or major events, um, this will be no different. I, I think we can sell those out. And then when it comes to the finals, it's going to be in the MGM in Las Vegas, and they're going to put a pool inside an arena there. And that's going to be one of those things where you're going to get people to come to Vegas for that. And then you're going to get those people that are just happy to be in Vegas and say, I'm going to go watch an amazing swim meet. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see any reason why these events won't be successful for ticket sales. Well, uh, that must have been a tough sell, getting these uh, swimmers uh, to convince to go to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully they uh, stay out of trouble. Um, that's the goal. Um, yeah, I think most of these people, being professional athletes, they're looking at this as, you know, uh, swim first and whatever they want to do after. Absolutely. Hey, Jason Lezak, thanks a bunch for this. Really appreciate your time. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?